Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hang Time Podcast, Seku Smith here in Atlanta. My main man, Lang Whitaker, is not in New York this week. Yo! He's chilling in here with his Paperboy t-shirt on. <laughs> I'm ATL all about that Paperboy. <laughs> paperboy, Paperboy. What's up, man? Uh, Almost Merry Christmas. What's the deal? Almost. You got your shopping done? I got everybody Paperboy t-shirts <laughs> Yeah, wait at uh, Phillips wait Arena. Way to step out. <laughs> at the team store at Phillips Arena last night. No doubt. You So you were in the building for the Jekyll and Hawks. <laughs> live and in in living color. Once again, they cannot figure out how to get it done. Losing to the Timberwolves. Third straight loss at the Highlight Factory for the Hawks, man. What's going on with, what's going on with you boys? They needed, last night they needed that third score. Because Schroeder had a good game. Millsap had a good game. But they, they didn't have that third person to step up. And Hardaway started out okay. Got hurt. Didn't play the rest of the game. Dwight didn't play. And they Look needed, good in his suit, though. Millsap's played pretty well out of position, but it's not. I don't think that's sustainable. Him playing at the five, he put Carlton Towns on skates a few times, but yeah. but it's too easy for Towns to just back him in and and score over him. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was a rough game. It was fun to take the take the family though. Yeah, and, uh, it's always good to take the family. We got a, a crazy week leading into Christmas to the Christmas Day uh, showcase games. Um, Blake Griffin out three to six weeks. Um, after going undergoing a arthroscopic knee surgery um, on on his right knee, this is third straight season for Blake where it's been interrupted by injury. I'd I'd be more worried if it was a team that hadn't dealt with this already. Yeah, but the Clippers have dealt with so much injury adversity, you know, and drama the past few years. If anybody's going to weather that storm, to me, it would be Doc Rivers and his team understanding how to compensate for for the loss. Or the absence of one of their main players. How do they? Why does it have to be them every year? It's them every year. It's the curse, baby. I saw Clipper Daryl on Instagram eating a cheeseburger, <laughs> trying to explain it. He was like at Five Guys or something. <laughs> I don't think that's going to help. <laughs> he was in full uniform too. He was oh, in that's full Clipper Daryl Uni eating a cheeseburger, trying to rationalize, you know, why this is not going to sink the the Clipper ship this year. So, um, they Blake played eighty games in twenty thirteen fourteen. And then uh, 2014, 15, 67, 2015, 16, 35. Yeah. This year he's played 26. So still 27 years old. I mean, he came into the league with an injury. Yeah. You know, his, what should have been his initial rookie season was wiped out because of the crack. What was a crack kneecap, right? Yeah. I mean, he's had he's had injury issues nonstop throughout his career, but he's he still managed to become – one of the elite players well, in the league. Those first four years, he, his first season he played 82 games, and then 66, his second season, but then 80 and then 80. Yeah. So it looked like he was going to be kind of durable. And then, you know, but I think there's also that long history of guys who play above the rim right. not being able to sustain that for long periods of time. Yeah. You think they hold on to uh, their position without Blake for the, no. possibly three to six weeks? 
I think they'll probably, I mean, I don't know how many games they're going to play without him, but right. I, they'll probably, you know, go like 14 and 5 or something like that. Right. You know, Jamal Crawford's going to score a bunch of points the next couple of weeks. Um, Paul Pierce might uh, take yeah. off his mummy wrap and, and start balling. Up. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. There's, Stunner. The Clippers are dealing with drama again. It's, <laughs> but we talked about, like, this season they've been basically playing with the pedal to the metal all season long, and maybe this is what happens. Yeah. Good point. Next up on our list of uh, interesting things leading into Christmas, and thank goodness he's going to have Christmas <laughs> off to relax and maybe recharge Boogie Cousins, killing, balling, fifty-five. He dropped the other night. Yeah, but uh, in a in a game against Portland, drops fifty-five and gets thirteen boards and five blocks. Dropped his mouthpiece too. But he also dropped yeah, <laughs> shot a projectile at Myers Leonard, who uh, called. I mean, I don't know if you saw Myers Leonard his post game interview where he, you know he was talking about how disrespectful and. Yeah. And outrageous Boogie's behavior was, and talked about how he's always been like that, and you know, took it very personal. Yeah, um, I take it personal too. If someone put fifty-five on me, <laughs> you, I don't care if you spit your mouthpiece <laughs> yeah. at me or not. If you if you hit me for fifty-five, I'm upset. Yeah. What's what side do you come down on though? On, you think this is just more piling on the mountain of mess that Boogie has made for himself? You know, with the tech, he's leading the league in techs. Yeah. Um, his trade value, if you ask. You know, some people is in the tank. You know, nobody would want to take him on, which I don't believe that. These GMs, I I guarantee you there's a handful of team, if not more, that would jump at the chance to trade for DeMarcus Cousins. You don't need a handful, though. You You need one. All you need one. All you need is one. Part of me is upset that he hasn't figured this out already, like that he hasn't learned how to change his ways in an effort to change the perception out there about him that he's a malcontent and a pain in the butt. Um, I don't know if that'll ever change at this point. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, Josh Barkley said it's too late. He said yeah. it's, it, we played it on game time last night. Um, Chuck saying that, you know, and, and we kind of found the humor in Chuck talking about yeah. a guy from Alabama who's, you know, shows up with some baggage and has a reputation for being a, a pain in the, in the arse. Um, but, you know, he said he thinks it's too late for Boogie to change. He doesn't think it's possible that this guy changed. I don't agree with that. I'm 100% against Charles's view that, <laughs> that Boogie couldn't change. Well, but I, I th- also think that even if he does change, that might not change the perception. Right. That's something that's in some ways out of his control, and the ship may have sailed on that one, and, and there's nothing you can do to, you know. I think he would need a change of scenery for there to be any significant change. I in mean, his, but he's in, in about behavior. the best place he could be for him to sort of shape the message. I mean, there's in Sacramento, there's one newspaper, right? Right, right. There's, there's, He's beefing with them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if he goes to New York or Boston or somewhere big where or L.A., I don't know, any any other place where there's multiple outlets, right? you know, it just feels like there's more of a chance to, to mess it up. Um, I think he could reclaim his – the control of his of his message if he were in an environment where – he was asked to fold himself into a certain culture. I don't think there's a basketball culture in Sacramento in terms of that franchise right. where he could disappear into that. I think he could do that in some other places. It's sort of that's sort of what happens when he's with USA Basketball, right? Right. The problem is, what other place can he go to where that can happen 
that has the assets to give up stuff to get him Boston. and retain that culture. What about Boston? I mean, do they have that culture there? I mean, it's a bunch of young guys and guys who, you know. A bunch of young guys out Horford, but a, but a very specific system of how they do things under Danny Ainge, I think. Right. And under that ownership group. Um, and I, I feel like Boogie needs to go somewhere where the coach is going to hold him to a certain standard without fear of the organization not backing him up. Right. And I think Brad Stevens would not be worried about Danny Ainge in the front office backing him up if he demands certain things of DeMarcus Cousins. Whereas I don't know if Dave Yeager in his first year with that organization has that kind of pull and control. It seems like that organization the last couple of years has been – pulled from a lot of different directions you don't know which is the the direction that at the end of the day has the most pull the the one thing of that whole video of him beefing with people Mm -hmm. one of the times on that video he was uh he said i'm not talking to one of the reporters i think it might have been the guy from cowbell kingdom and yeah he just kept saying "I'm, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna talk as long as he's here you know, Rashid did the same thing to me one time 15 years ago, except I was a guy he would talk to, but he wouldn't talk to any of the other people. And he just he explained it calmly several times. I'm only talking to him. I'm only talking to him. I'm right. only talking to him. I, I mean, on in that circumstance, in that situation, I thought Boogie handled that about as well as he could. Right. At the same time, you can't just pick and choose who you're going to talk to. <laughs> you got to talk to everybody. So, You think he's on that roster after the trade deadline? I'll say yeah. I just don't know, like, what what could anybody give you that makes up for 55 and 6, whatever it was, 55 and 13. 13, 5 bucks, yeah. yeah. That's just, that's a lot of talent, and it's a lot to try to replace. Um, and I don't know if they've got, if any team has uh, the assets that, right. if I'm Sacramento, I, I want back. I mean, right. Well, Sac doesn't have a draft pick. Right. So if you make a deal with Boston in, in, it includes a draft pick. That sweetens the deal. I don't know if you noticed a second ago. I tried to make it real smooth. I was sitting here in this chair. <laughs> I reached over and hit a switch, and I dropped about you, seven yeah, you inches. Low, you went low right. You went, you went sort of mix a lot on us. <laughs> it was like uh, switches. Yeah, I looked like a low rider bouncing down the street. <laughs> That's almost as good as uh, – I don't think I told the story in here about when we were in Denver and I brushed my teeth. Uh, I was hoping you'd never tell that story. <laughs> but now that you bring it up. Who, who, we keep going. Yeah, yeah. Let's leave that alone. This is a family podcast. Uh, back to what I was saying about Boston. Yeah, draft pick. They have a lot of draft picks. You get you throw in some players. My only my only thing I'd want to keep if I was Boston under every circuit, I I would not want to part ways with Avery Bradley, Isaiah Thomas, Al Horford, and I'd want to keep Jalen Brown, my rookie. I mean, I wouldn't want to give him up. But every everything else, I think, could be negotiable. If you're talking about you put Boogie Cousins, Al Horford, Avery Bradley, and Isaiah Thomas in your starting five, sure. I don't care who the four starters. That four right there creates headaches for everybody else in the East but except for Cleveland. If I'm Sacramento, I don't want those other guys. I don't either. But I don't know if I can. <laughs> I don't know if I can survive with Demarcus Cousins and all the the animus he's built up in that community. I mean, it, here's here's what to me it doesn't make sense. You got a guy who can. Any night, go for 50 or whatever. Right. Dominate the post any game. Why aren't you talking about trading all the other guys? <laughs> like, this is the guy you want. This is the guy you need. These other guys, you don't. I mean, th- those are the guys that should be expendable. 
They're not the ones that are threatening reporters and you know they're also not scoring. They're also not scoring fifty points. Yeah, but they're all losing. Yeah. So I mean, you know, as good as Boogie's been, the fact that his his play doesn't lift that team up to me is what would worry me if I'm Sacramento. Do you think he's on the team after the trade deadline? I do, and I feel bad because I know who's going to end up getting traded. Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay gets traded. He's like he's basically asked for it. He yeah, but I'm saying Rudy Gay gets traded when somebody else is a malcontent. <laughs> they trade Rudy Gay. Right. Somebody else isn't performing up to their you know standards. Where yeah, well we got to trade Rudy. It's like. He somehow gets thrown into the hopper every time a trade is is discussed on teams where he shouldn't be the guy necessarily that's getting moved. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, from what the way I read it is that ownership is so enamored with Boogie's talent, they're willing to suffer through some of the other drama and foolishness that comes with him, in and in a belief that one day he's gonna come, you know, come into his own as a leader, right? Emotionally. Um, and I'm, I'm only saying, I don't know that that happens in Sacramento, for him. He's uh, 26 years old, still a kid. Yeah, he's young, but so, he's been in the league long enough where six. This is seventh year. This shouldn't, yeah, this still shouldn't be an issue for him. Right. Um, but well, I mean, we'll see. We'll we'll have to revisit that topic. Who's going to be on what rosters past the trade deadline? Maybe next year. In a podcast before the February twenty uh, third trade deadline, write that down, Hartzell. There's a, <laughs> there's several people who could be in those crosshairs. I think. Right. Um, what is wrong with the Portland Trailblazers? I think we messed them up. No, they they were struggling <laughs> before we saw Dame Lillard in Oakland. <laughs> we, we went to that Fetty Wap concert. <laughs> it's all downhill. Your boy Fetty. Yeah, I mean they they their defensive identity has been missing in action right. since the start of the season. Terry Stotts. Is you know I'm sure he's tried everything. Um, now it's, you know you're looking around that locker room and wondering, are they connected in in the way that they seemed to be in the playoffs last year, where everybody was on kind of on that one accord and they were playing defense at a high level and, and feeding off of Damian Lillard and, and C.J. McCollum. I don't know what to make of the Blazers now. I never thought their defense was like you know all world. I, I kind of felt like offensively. They sort of survived their defense because their offense was so good, and they yeah. had so many guys who could score and do different things. Um, I mean, this year they're dead last in defensive rating right. at 110. But I, I felt like offensively they were so good last year, and, and I don't see that from them this season as much as I did last year. Yeah. I told Isaiah, Tom, we were talking about this last night, Isaiah and, um, and Vince Cellini and I on game time. I think the Trailblazers – the the players, right? I think they drank their own Kool Aid in the playoffs when they upset the Clippers, mm-hmm. and it seemed like they killed it. Like, oh man, they went in there and beat. They got lucky, right? Chris Paul and Blake Griffin both right. go down. They didn't. They didn't beat the beat a team at their best. They they took advantage and rightfully so of a team that was wounded. But to me, they kind of rolled into this season. Some guys got some nice contracts over the summer. They added Evan Turner at a, at a hefty sum. And I think they felt like they were a team that are, that's arrived already when I don't think they really have. And maybe there's some slippage in their defensive attitude and effort that comes with feeling like, all right, we're here now. We, we're a team that can go out and flip a switch every night, and they're, they're not that team. I mean, you know, coming into last season – Dame Lillard rallied the troops, and they all went out to San Diego, and they yeah. had this whole training camp 
players only, and they I, I, they kind of came into last season as a unit and managed to sustain that the whole year. And then this year, I I wonder if a lot of it also is just this year they got a target. Yeah, teams aren't going to take them lightly anymore. You know, last season you kind of wondered, well, eventually it's going to normalize and straighten out. It never really did. They were just better than people thought. Maybe this year they're they're not getting the benefit of that so much anymore. Um, other teams are now prepared for them. Uh, night after night. Yeah. I also thought that Alpha Rukaminu mm-hmm. was kind of a real game changer for them last year. Playing as well as he did, guarding bigger guys, um, at, you know, playing kind of like a stretch four role and shooting it and everything. They don't, they're not getting the same kind of juice from certain guys on their roster that they got last year. And the the craziest thing is if they, they wake up today, they're still the A seed in the West. Yeah. Um, so it's not like they're out of the playoff picture. I just think five games under 500 is not what people were expecting, right? Um, from that team this year. So, uh, but yeah, we we did talk to Damian Lillard. So I was hoping we'd have a positive effect <laughs> on the on the team. And they went out the next <laughs> night, and Golden State beat them by what 100. Why would we start now? <laughs> so um, move over, Sports Illustrated. The new jinx is in town. Um, the hang time curse. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we had a great conversation with him. Spent some time at Oakland High School, his alma mater, where, you know, they retired his jersey and he and Adidas went in and refurbished the gym and uh did some cool stuff for the kids in at his old high school and just gave him a chance to come back and kinda retrace some of his steps on his way to NBA stardom. Our sit down with Damian Lillard from the hang time road trip in Oakland. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. How you doing? Good. Back to school. <laughs> Back to school night. Back in the class. So much attention is paid to uh, where where guys are from and what they're doing to give back to their community. But for you, this had to be a surreal day, being able to yeah. come back and get the jersey up on the wall in the gym and have the kids going crazy. What's it like when you get to this point in your career? I mean, it's for me, I, I knew about the, the event all along, so I was excited about it, just the, the fact that we was doing it for the students, you know, and they would be able to, lead the class and come right down there to, you know, something unexpected, you know, and I knew it would be a big deal, so that was cool. But uh, when I actually got here, like, I was like, man, it's crazy. You know, I actually played here, and I see a lot of my family here, and I'm at a completely different point in my life now um, as to the, the last time I was, you know, I shared this gym with them. Right. And seeing the, the retired teachers that was here when I was here that left and they came back just for this, and, you know, some of the ones still here, um, from the time I went to high school here, it was um, it was good to see them. But um, I think a lot of times, like you said, people talk about where they come from and, and giving back. But you're in position to do it from a distance. Um, right. You know, with the kind of the kind of money we make and uh, the influence and all the the partners that we have. Uh, but it meant a lot to me to you know come here and have the time to do it before I play the game and, and also be present. Uh, that was that was what made it real cool for me. You mentioned seeing retired teachers. Did you know they were going to retire your number today? Um, I knew about it, but I mean, I I do so many things right. and interviews and all that stuff that it, it slipped my mind. You know, I really wasn't <laughs> thinking about it. And then um, on the way over here, me and my guy Jr. was talking about it, and he was like, "They're going to retire your jersey," and I was like, "What?" And he was like, "You didn't know that?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot." <laughs> um, but it, you know, it's. It's an honor uh, to to have my jersey raised up there, especially with you know so many talented players coming through yeah. here before me. Do you think about the journey more at this stage now? Like you said, when you come back and 
can reflect on all the people that you see, the faces you see in that gym, and see the young people that are walking in your footsteps, you know, coming through these same hallways you came through. Does it, does it sink into you more now, seeing that from your perspective? Yeah, it's sinking in a lot more. I think when I first got in the league, I was trying so hard to be one of the best players and trying to stick in the league that I didn't, I didn't even really look and see what I had done. You know, mm-hmm. that I got a scholarship from here and got drafted in a, in a lottery and was doing well in the NBA. All those things I kind of was expecting for myself, so I didn't really pay attention to what I was actually doing. And I wasn't thinking about the people that might um, be impacted, you know, or how people that I grew up around might be looking like, man, Dame is really doing this. And Dame really did that because I'm just focused on what I'm doing. Right. Um, and coming back here, it, it also helps you realize that, you know, when they look at you and they're like, man, you really, you really did it. You know, I can't believe this and I'm proud of you and you're hearing it. And people tell you it all the time, you right. know, like when I was in New York, people was like, man, I'm happy for you. And, it, and then you come home and it's different because they looking in your eyes like, man, you know, because right. they was there for the, the beginning of it. And they, they can appreciate it because they was there when it started. So um, as far as that, you know, I think that that makes it, uh, you know, real powerful and, and real meaningful. We have some questions from people watching on Facebook right now. Alex Ruiz says, Damian, what do you think you can communicate through music that you can't communicate as a basketball player? Uh, I think as a, a basketball player, you know, that's that's more for basketball players or or any other athlete. Right. Um, but in my music, I share, I like to, to story, do storytelling and, you know, talk about the struggle and the yeah. things that I experienced. And I think being able to do that allows, you know, the, the normal student who catches the bus to school like I did and, might get in a scuffle here and there like I did and struggle with your grades a little bit like I did, you know, and I can express that to them and say, I did all these things too and I struggled like this and this is what I liked and, you know, just share that experience through the through the words and I still got here, you know. So I think in the music you could kind of share something that they might be going through and, and yeah. reach them that way, but then at the end of the day you can still be successful in what you want to be successful in as opposed to basketball, the Oakland High basketball team is going to watch that more than every other student. Right. You know what I mean? So I think that's the, the biggest difference. Um, K-Led, and I'm not going to try to mispronounce his last name. Uh, what made you love basketball? How did that start? Um, I think it just started from um, being around my, my cousins. You know, I got a lot of cousins, and uh, when I was younger, we had a, a tree out in front of my grandmother's house, and they'd always be out there playing and I wanted to do everything they did, so um, you know I remember a day I, I fake sick and didn't go home, didn't go to school. <laughs> um, my brother and, and my older cousin John they stayed home too because they had to to watch me, and that was a, the first time they actually taught me like the rules and what a travel was and right. double dribbling and all that. And when and then like I was on the court playing with them. You know I was young and they was much older and I had to figure it out and I just enjoyed that competition and. Um, being up against it, you know, playing against older kids and trying to remember the rules and, and stuff like that. And then from that point on, it was like whether they was there or not, I had a ball and I was I was hooping. Yeah. You mentioned uh, upstairs when I heard you talking about you went to a couple of schools before you came here to Oakland High. Yeah. Um, was coming here a game changer for you, not just in your academic career, athletic career, but just in life, just getting a different breath yeah. of what you might be capable of as a young man and, and what the future might hold for you. Definitely. I think just 
the first school I went to um, was in more of a suburban neighborhood because um, I had a family member that lived out there, and my mom and my dad didn't want me to go to school in Oakland because there was so much going on. And I went there uh, from middle school, then one year of high school, and it was just like it wasn't working out. I mean, I was I was uncomfortable. I was getting getting home late all the time, catching the bus back and forth, having to get up at five to catch the bus and be on time to school. And then I left there to go to a private school here, um, St. Joe's, where Jason Kidd went. Mm -hmm. And when I went there, it was like I really didn't fit in. It was like I was the opposite of everybody there. Um, And I I learned a lot about myself while I was there, but I just I felt like I was um, watching my, my future go away when I was there. So I was you know, begging my dad, like, let me go to Ohio, let me go to Ohio, because all my best friends went to Ohio. So he finally was like, all right, you know, I'm going to let you go. And when I came here, it was like at lunchtime, I was with my friends and laughing and joking. And you walk in and you in the hallway and people got their iPod in. It ain't as many rules. It was, you know, it was just better. And um, I was comfortable. I was happy being here. Um, So, I mean, I that was like the turning point for sure. Yeah. Um, Manuel says, what drives you to be clutch when it matters? What drives me to be clutch? Yeah. I mean, just wanting to, wanting to win. I think you, when you really truly want to win, that you'll do anything to, to make that happen. Yeah. And, you know, when you believe in yourself, and you know that you've put in enough time to the, to the game. You feel like you always gonna come up big, and in those situations, I always feel like I'm gonna come up big. And you know, the the work gives you confidence in, in yourself. And so, when those moments come, you feel like you're gonna rise to the to the occasion, and it's gonna go in your favor. But then, when it doesn't work out, you had a confidence where it's like, well, it didn't work out this time. Next time, right. it gotta work. And I feel like that's that's just cemented in my mind. You, you said know? the work gives you confidence, but I think a lot of times we don't see the work. You know, we don't see you yeah. in the summertime every day working on your floaters or, yeah. um, like they said, before the draft, you knew you were going to be lottery. Toward the end of the draft yeah. process, you were still working out every single day. I think that probably is what separates you from a lot of people also is just having that, whatever it is, it makes you keep working at it. Yeah, I think when you, I mean, you look at the best, you look at the best players um, in the NBA, and you look at LeBron James and, and Steph Curry and right. Kevin Durant and guys like that, what you know of them is that they work hard. Yeah. And that's why they're able to be so confident and um, perform at the level that they do every night. And it's not because they just arrogant and confident right. for no reason. It's something behind it. You know, they put the time in and in their mind and their heart, they know I worked really hard at this, so it's going to work out. Yeah. And then you see other guys where the confidence comes and goes is because they don't know in their heart that, you know, I did, I put the time in, right. you know, 100%. And I think that's, you know, it goes hand in hand. Yeah. I think everybody in Oakland, especially Portland and around the league, knows that you put the work in. It's good to see you come back and get to enjoy some of this while it's yeah. happening. You know, yeah. not 20, 30 years later, but... Right. In, in real time. So we appreciate you letting us come and um, kick around these hallways a little bit. It looks good. The gym looks good. Appreciate you that, know, man. I appreciate y'all summer, coming. Man. Yeah. The teacher's okay. in here showing off this, <laughs> this room. He was, he was very proud of his yeah. new, new room. So. Yeah, and the studio we had when I, was in, when I was in high school was 
It was like you got to walk through a classroom, and then it was a little room like that, but everything out here was smashed. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what he said. Yeah. No question. Listen, Damien Lillard joining us here. Sacred and Lions Road Trip presented by Mary Rewards yep. here at Oakland High. Getting it in. Good talk, Lang, with uh, Damien Lillard at his old high school in Oakland. He's a thoughtful guy. Yeah, he's. A, I, I dig his whole attitude about where he is and, and, and what he's doing in the league. But on the same topic – um, speaking of thoughtful people. Yes. Speaking of people with uh, beautiful minds, our main man, John Schumann, is with us with the Schumann stat this week. Fellas, what's up? Shoo, what's up? Merry Christmas so almost. Little, oh, you too. <laughs> so I got a little trivia for you. All right. Um, so through 21, 29 games last year, Stephen Curry had – 63 pull-up three-pointers. This year, he has only 39 pull-up three-pointers through 29 games. Hmm. So the question for you is there are five players who have more pull-up three-pointers this season than Stephen Curry. Wait who a are they? Wait a minute. What What is technically a pull-up yeah. three? Like, give me... Off the dribble. A three-pointer off the just dribble. Just a three-pointer like, off the dribble. I've got, I'll throw yeah. one out there. And okay. This is kind of crazy, but I, saw, I read the stat this morning, and it seemed like a lot of threes by this guy. D'Angelo Russell... No, no, incorrect. Okay. Although he had shot better than Stephen Curry on pull-up three-pointers this year. Mm, that's good. He doesn't have the volume because he was out for so right. long. Russell Westbrook. No, right behind <laughs> it, 38. Kyle, Kyle so, Korver. No. Not even on no, the list. He, he doesn't shoot pull-up threes. <laughs> he doesn't dribble threes. He doesn't a dribble. A couple of them should be pretty easy. Kyrie Irving. No. Man. He is. Behind also. He's Come in, uh, let's see, six, seven, eight, nine. Well, no, James Harden has to be number yeah. one. Right. James I mean, Harden's number number one by a pretty wide margin. Yeah, I he figured. Six, 62 through uh, Wednesday's games. All right. Um, next, guy, next guy has 45 and then 44, 43. How about Damian, Damian Lillard? Damian Lillard, 45, <laughs> second, second on the list. What about Isaiah Thomas? Now, he hadn't played nope. enough. He hadn't played enough. Nope. The other two, there's three left. Mm-hmm. Two of them are in the Eastern Conference. One of them in the Western Conference. Uh, same division as Stephen Curry. Clay Thompson. No. Mm. He's a catch and shoot. Devin yeah. Booker. So off the triple. Another point guard who's uh, <laughs> one of the best point guards in the league. In, in Chris Paul. Curry's, Chris Paul, 43. So he's fourth on the list. Wow, 43. So two, two Eastern Conference Point guards who have made more three more pull up three. Points I got one. Kimball Walker. Yeah. Kimball Walker, correct. Kyle Number Lowry three on the list. Kimba. Kyle Lowry, correct. There you go. So it's Harden, Lillard, Walker, Paul Lowry, and then Curry. Uh, Lowry, the best shooter among the group, hmm. shooting forty four percent on pull up threes. Um, Curry. So there's twenty six guys who have taken at least fifty pull up threes, attempted at least fifty. Yeah. And Curry is twenty first out of twenty out of the twenty sixth in pull up three point percentage. And last year you said he had how many? He had sixty three uh at this point last season right. total he had two hundred and eighteen. He almost lacked <laughs> the field. So he had last year he had two hundred and eighteen pull up threes and Harden was second with one hundred and twenty nine. You know, there was a so, play at the end of the game, the end of the half last night, I think, uh, where he get, he dribbled down. You knew he was going to pull up and launch a long three, and he passed it to Ian Clark. 
And I thought, well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's part, part is his percentage is down. He's definitely shooting a lot worse on the pull-up shots, but, too, he doesn't have to take as many. Obviously. I was going to say, yeah, you got Durant, you got another elite player on that roster now. I mean, does that impact maybe some of those attempts he might have taken before? Some of it. Yeah. yeah, some of it. But, I mean, I feel like, you know, he's just not, like last year he was just such a phenomenon. I mean, he was just hitting some crazy shots last year, and it's not, you know, it's not there this year as much. You know, he's not shooting as well. So right. it's it's both volume and percentage that, that's down. And uh, the percentage is a little alarming, I guess. Just looking at it and seeing who, how many people have shot better on pull-up threes than Stephen Curry is kind of crazy. Trivia time with John Schumann <laughs> on the Hang Down Bucket. I, li- I like this trivia bit. You, you might have a future in this thing. All right, we'll come back next week with some more. Shoe say Jack, baby. Appreciate you, man. Merry Christmas to you and the fam. All right, fellas, you too. With Vanna Smith. <laughs> Good stuff is always laying from John Schumann. Trying to stump us, trying to make us look bad, of course. Here on Anytime Podcast with the Schumann stat every week. Speaking of making people look bad. It's time for bragging rights as the guys put their rep on the line. I was thinking of that Tyler Perry movie, I Can Do Bad All By Myself. Was yes, that a Tyler you can. Perry movie? Because <laughs> that, that describes bragging rights for me this you week. You have done bad all by yourself, my friend. <laughs> yeah, Lang did another 0-3 week. Nice. Against Seku's 1-2. Hey, man. Don't, the difference maker was the Jazz over the Grizzlies. Yeah, don't disrespect one and two. It's stating the facts. That, that's a high water mark around here it lately. Could be better. Right. It could be better. <laughs> but on the season, Seku, after such a strong one and two performance, leads nine and six. Lang is seven and eight, coming in below five. Trust the process, Lang. Trust the process. <laughs> what do we got this week to uh, to knock out this last week of the season before we move the calendar over to January? We're going to go every Christmas Day game. Since we're not doing one next week, we're going right. to take five games out this All week. All right. Good, so, idea. Good idea. Starting at noon, Celtics at Knicks. I'll take the uh, New York Knickerbockers. I'm going, with, I'm going with the Celtics. The Knicks have been pretty good in these home noon start games. It seems like a little bit of a trap for these opposing teams. <laughs> I don't know why the Knicks don't play all their games at noon at home. At noon. I'm going with Boston. I, I'm, I feel like they're going to – they're going to go out there and show off a little bit on Christmas morning for people. Okay. Then we go to main event at 2.30, Warriors-Cavs. I was thinking the other day it would be funny if uh, if Tyron Lue just sat LeBron and those guys. <laughs> yeah, he was like – We're be. resting, guys. We want to make sure we're ready for the final. <laughs> this is a rest and recuperation <laughs> day. Well, it's a weird thing now with Cleveland not having J.R. Smith. Yeah. You know, missing some key pieces. Uh, Kevin Love, I'm assuming, will be back perhaps – um, in time for that game, you would think LeBron and his crew would be right. amped up and ready to to smack them around. But I, I'm going to actually p- call for an upset of sorts and go with the Warriors. I think the Warriors are going to win this game too. Did you see uh, last night on Fan Night the post game interview? Um, our friend Lee Ellis was talking to Clay Thompson, <laughs> yeah. and he said, "He said, you know, you guys have a three game road trip coming up, and." You, you don't want to overlook teams, but the third game on that road trip is the Cavaliers, and are you guys looking forward to that at all? And he was like, oh, yeah, of course Definitely, we are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, Clay, Clay Thompson does not have a yeah. – he's a horrible liar. He yeah. couldn't lie if he wanted to. <laughs> um, I don't blame him. Yeah. You know, they, they you knew the, the day you lost game seven, if you didn't know anything else about the next season, you know if you're a warrior, <laughs> we're playing on Christmas in Cleveland yeah. with a chance to at least – Get a little bit of a 
of, of an emotional recovery from losing that in the finals. I know it's not the same thing, obviously, but right. you got to have some kind of victory that you can put put in your pocket uh, by winning that Christmas Day game in Cleveland. So you both have the 25-4 and four Warriors with an upset win. <laughs> <laughs> then we go to 5 o'clock, Bulls at Spurs. 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 Come on. Got it. Then Wolves at Thunder. Let me just say, by the way, show some love to the young Timberwolves getting the Christmas Day game. Yeah. Um, speaks to the star power on that roster. Three three young guys to me who are all destined for big things. Carl Anthony Towns, you know, Andrew Wiggins, Zach, my man Zach Levine. I'm calling for an upset. Big Cat ruining Christmas for Russ Westbrook and the Thunder. I watched the Thunder play on Monday night. I watched in person. I watched the Wolves play last night. That big three you mentioned, the young big three, they're all clearly talented and some of the best young players in the league. None of them can guard Russell Westbrook, so I'm, <laughs> I, I'm taking the thunder. That's Wiki Wubio's job. That's nobody's job. <laughs> then the fifth game of the night, 10-30, showdown at Staples, yeah. Battle of L.A., Clippers at Lakers. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with L.A. in that one. <laughs> Good call. I, I just figure... There's no way a team from L.A. doesn't come out of that with a victory. L.A. Uh, LA always wins. I'm going with Clipper Darrell and his boys. I, I don't think the Lakers are good enough to win that game. I think so, too. Even without Blake Griffin, I think that's a uh, that's one of those games where Chris Paul comes out locked in. Yeah. That's, and, a, that's uh, a defend the hallway game right there. Yeah. So I'll Clips. Take, I'll take Clippers. Another episode of the Hangtime Podcast in the books. Appreciate Damian Lillard giving us some time in Oakland. At his old high school on a hangtime road trip. John Schumann, as always, with the Schumann stat, trying to stump us. He has no idea what he's dealing with. <laughs> Put me on basketball jeopardy in its own. And don't forget, next week, the best of 2016 episode on the Hangtime Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Make sure you say something nice. You know, say something nice about Lang's voice. He works on it hard. <laughs> He's always doing voice exercises in here trying to get it right for you. And uh, you can catch a new episode every week, every Thursday, in the NBA season of the Hangtime Podcast. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes for a new episode every single Thursday this season. And as always, people, remember, say kuna matata.